Hi everyone. It's my birthday on Wednesday, so I am posting very early this week because David and I are going away for a couple days. And because it is my birthday, I have chosen a topic, a singer, that is very, very dear to my heart. And in fact, the day that I'm posting this episode is the observation of the 60th anniversary of her death. I also posted a bonus Patreon episode early this week, the first of a number of bonus episodes of Renata Scotto singing Italian song. So if you want to partake of that episode, you have two options. You can access it via Patreon. So if you're a supporter, simply go to Patreon. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash countermelody and make a yearly or a monthly contribution, and you too can access that and all the 80 other bonus episodes that I have posted. There's actually even a third option, and I'm offering it to you today because it's my birthday and I'm feeling generous. You can contact me privately and say to me, please, 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 I'd like to hear just one bonus episode that you put out to see if maybe I'd like to support you on Patreon, and I will very, very gladly share a link with you so that you can listen to that episode or any other Patreon bonus episode. But I'm going to say just one, because after that, then you have to become a supporter. Is that fair? I hope so. Anyway, let us get on with today's episode, shall we? Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for your support. If you're not already a subscriber, please become one. And don't forget to pass on the wonderful news of Counter Melody to all of your friends who would be interested. Thanks again for just being there. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. And now, this week's episode. Paris, c'était la gaieté Paris, c'était la douceur aussi, c'était notre tendresse. Paris, et des gamins, des artisans, et des camelots et des agents, et des matins de printemps. Paris, l'odeur de ton pavé de bois, de tes marronniers et du bois, je pense à toi sans cesse. Paris, je m'ennuie de toi, mon vieux, on se retrouvera tous les deux, mon grand Paris. Évidemment, il y a par toi des heures un peu difficiles, Mais tout s'arrange bien ma foi 
Avec Paris c'est si facile Pour moi Paris c'est les beaux jours L'air enneigé graveux ou tendre Pour moi Paris c'est mes amours Et mon cœur ne peut se reprendre Paris Tu es la gaieté Paris Tu es ma douceur aussi Tu es toute ma tendresse Paris, des gamins, des artisans, et des camelots et des agents, et des matins de printemps. Paris, l'odeur de ton pavé de bois, de tes marronniers du bois, je pense à toi sans cesse. Paris, je m'ennuie de toi, mon vieux, on se retrouvera tous les deux. Mon grand Paris. That is the voice, of course, of the great Edith Piaf. She died on October 10th, 1963, the day before my third birthday. Because, yes, as I have remarked on numerous occasions, I am no longer a spring chicken. I'm well into my 60s now. I can scarcely believe it because I feel just as perky and childlike as I ever have. But, yes, age does encroach upon us. And, in fact, Edith Piaf died at the age of only 47. So, by the time she was my age, she had already been dead for 16 years. That was a song called Paris, and for me, this song is the embodiment of Paris, and Piaf indeed is the palpitating heart at the center of that beloved city. I haven't been back in many, many years, and yet I love it so much, in spite of the fact that some pretty awful things happen to me, professionally speaking, in Paris. Doesn't matter. Also, some wonderful things happen. So, it's like life, right? I have a special take on Edith Piaf that I would like to share with you today. Because, you know, I always feel that if I'm going to do an episode on such an important, gigantic, gargantuan figure, such as Edith Piaf, then I'd better have something special or different to say about them. And I've been listening to Piaf all of my life, and especially these past several days, I've been listening to her, and I have to confess, just crying and crying and crying, because I love her so much. Yeah, so I want to focus today on Piaf as a storyteller, because I think in every single song that she sang, she had a story to tell, even when it wasn't a narrative song per se. The other special thing about the episode is that, with the exception of the track that we just heard, every single excerpt is going to be a live performance because I think that Piaf was at her very best when she was in front of an audience. Now, here's a song, for instance, that became so closely allied with her life and her love affair with the boxer Marcel Cerdan, who she claimed was the love of her life and who was killed in a plane crash when he was on his way to New York to be reunited with her. 
It's a horrible, tragic story that became really central to the Piaf myth. It's represented, of course, in the biopic about her, but as well in an earlier film that was called Edith et Marcel. And of course, it's been written about virtually ad nauseum. Many people felt that the death of Cerdan was the beginning of a downward spiral for Piaf, that shortly thereafter she was involved in two incredibly serious auto accidents in which she nearly lost her life. She became addicted to painkillers and other drugs, as well as becoming afflicted with a series of debilitating illnesses, including arthritis and the cancer, which finally killed her. But every time that Piaf performed this song then, Imna l'amour, for which she herself wrote the words, everyone listening knew what she was singing about. This is a recording that I just found today, a previously unreleased live recording from the 20th of December 1960. It's interesting because it's a less full-blown arrangement. It sounds like she's just accompanied by piano and organ. And as a result, the words take on even more immediacy because they're right there in your face. And quite honestly, to my ear, she doesn't always sound overjoyed about the price that she has paid for this love. By the way, I'm really sorry about the poor fidelity on this track, but I thought that because it's so different than her other iterations of this song, that it was worth sharing with you anyway. De Marguerite Monod, hymne à l'amour. Le ciel bleu Sur nous peut s'effondrer Et la terre peut bien s'écrouler Peu m'importe si tu m'aimes Je me fous du monde entier Tant que l'amour Inondera mes matins Tant que mon corps Frémira sous tes mains De ma pente Les problèmes Mon amour Puisque tu m'aimes J'irai jusqu'au bout du monde Je me ferai teindre en blonde si tu me le demandais. J'irai décrocher la lune, j'irai voler la fortune. Si tu me le demandais, je renierai ma patrie, je renierai mes amis. Si tu me le demandais, on peut bien rire de moi, je ferai n'importe quoi. Si tu me le demandais. La vie t'arrache à moi Si tu meurs Que tu sois loin de moi De ma pente Si tu m'aimes Car moi je 
going to offer a biographical sketch of Piaf today, but let us just note that she first came to prominence in the mid-1930s, and she made her first recordings, I believe, in 1936. And 1936 was also the year that she appeared in her first film. It was called La Garçonne, and she portrayed a lesbian chanteuse who sinks her claws, if you will, into the flapper of the title, because La Garçonne means the flapper. In that film, she sings the song Quand Même, which was written by the pianist and composer Jean Wiener, I guess it's pronounced. Jean Wiener <laughs> would be the tacky English pronunciation of it, but I think it's Jean Wiener or something like that. Let us also note here that throughout her life, Piaf was also romantically linked to a number of women, not just men. So she is a proud queer icon for all of us who celebrate that aspect of her as well. composers who were faithful collaborators and provided song after song after song that Piaf put her indelible stamp upon. One such composer was Michel Emer. Michel Emer was born in 1906 in St. Petersburg and died in France in 1984. His real name was Emer Rosenstein. The first of the songs that he wrote for Piaf was called L'Accordioniste, in the year 1940, and it went on to become one of her most famous songs. 
Emer contributed more than 20 songs to Piaf's repertoire, and we'll be hearing a total of three of those today that spanned the entire length of her career. L'accordéoniste tells the tragic story of a prostitute who is in love with an artist who plays the accordion all night long. Many of these tragic story songs are in three verses and tell the progression of a story from a happy beginning to an uncertain central section to a profoundly tragic final verse. And such is the structure of l'accordioniste. At first, the prostitute and the accordionist are deeply in love, and she listens to him play all night long. In the second verse, he has gone off to war, and she dreams of their future together upon his return, when they will become proprietors of a café of their own. And in the third verse, we find that he's not coming back. Presumably, he's been killed in combat. Everyone scorns her. She sits in the corner, but finally rises up to dance wildly to the strains of a new accordionist who has taken his place in the bar. Finally, it's too much for her, though, and she screams out, Arrêtez! Stop the music! This performance was first heard on a French television program called La Joie de Vivre in the year 1954. La vue de joie est belle Au coin de la rue là-bas, elle a une clientèle qui lui remplit son bas. Quand son boulot s'achève, elle s'en va à son tour, chercher un peu de rêve dans un bal du faubourg. Son homme est un artiste, c'est un drôle de petit gars, un accordéoniste qui sait jouer la Quand il reviendra de la guerre, ils prendront une maison. Elle sera la caissière et lui sera le patron. Que la vie sera belle, ils seront de vrais pachas. Et tous les soirs pour elle, il jouera la Java. Elle écoute la Java qu'elle fourdonne tout bas. Elle revoit son accordéoniste. Et ses yeux amoureux suivent le jeune rêve Et les doigts c'est qu'elles ont de l'artiste Ça lui rentre dans la peau par le bas, pardon Elle a envie de pleurer cette physique Tout son être est tendu, son souffle est suspendu C'est une œuvre tordue de la musique La fille de joie est seule Au coin de la rue là-bas Les filles qui font la gueule, les hommes n'en veulent pas. Et tant pis si elles crèvent, son homme ne reviendra plus. 
Adieu tous les beaux rêves, sa vie elle est foutue. Pourtant ses jambes tristes l'emmènent au boui-boui où il y a un autre artiste qui joue tout un. Elle a fermé les yeux, les doigts secs et nerveux. Ça lui rentre dans la peau par la bas par là. Elle a envie de gagner sa physique. Alors pour oublier, elle s'est mise à danser, à tourner au son de la musique. Next, we're going to hear another song that Michel Emer wrote for Edith Piaf. This is a first-person narrative, Je m'en fous pas mal, and it was sometimes sung by Piaf in an English translation as I shouldn't care. But with her strongly accented English, it always sounded more like I shouldn't care. I really don't care for Piaf singing English so much. I mean, sometimes it's fun to hear her introducing the numbers in English, and I think we'll hear one later on. But generally speaking, she's much better singing in French. This song also follows the three-strophe structure. In the first verse, the singer tells us, I work so hard all week long to keep my boss happy, and my friends tell me that I'm making a mistake, that I really shouldn't work so hard. But you know, I don't care what they think. I have my Sundays, and they're all mine, and I can do whatever I want. In the release, she describes all the wonderful things that she can do on a Sunday, including going dancing and having beautiful men whisper in her ear. In the second verse, she tells us the details of one such beautiful man with whom she fell rather heavily in love. And one night, after their dancing together, he said, let's sleep together. And she thought, eh, why not? I'll do whatever I want. I don't care what my friends think. If I want to spend my time in bed with him, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And then in the third verse, of course, the happy illusion is shattered. On one Sunday, when, without even a goodbye, he goes away and simply disappears. And to release her sorrows, she goes out dancing again, and sometimes, when a new man will take her in his arms and dance with her, she closes her eyes and imagines that it's her old lover still whispering in her ear. She tells us it doesn't much matter who it is, but we hear from her voice that that's not at all true. This is a live performance from the Copacabana Night Club in June 1949. Mes amis se sont mis en colère C'est pas bien malin ce que tu fais là Oh, petit pot Mais toi tu exagères Tu verras qu'un jour 
Tu le regretteras Mon poupama Il peut m'arriver n'importe où Mon poupama C'est mon dimanche qui est à moi Cette fête banale Mais ce que les gens pensent de vous Ça m'est égal
1946, Edith Piaf appeared on the radio program Entrée Libre, and she performed a song that had helped make her famous early in her career. The song is called C'est toi le plus fort, You're the Stronger One. It's composed by Raymond Asso with words by René Cloérec. What's interesting about this song is that there's very little singing in it. Almost all of it is spoken rhythmically. Which I found to be pretty interesting, actually. Because it shows us that even in speech, Piaf's voice followed a melodic arc. We're going to talk a little bit more about Piaf's speech patterns, but listen closely to that in this number. The text is just saying, You hurt me all the time. You know that I don't like it when you look at other women, but you do it anyway. And I always acquiesce to you, even though it hurts me. And yet, in the end, I see you falling asleep like a little sparrow in my arms. And even asleep, you're the stronger one. Parce que t'es grand, t'as une belle gueule Et que ton rire m'accroche le cœur Parce que je suis venue vers toi toute seule Sans que tu me cherches, tu fais le crâne Et sur le boulevard quand tu te balades Tu marches comme un bel animal Tu regardes les femmes, ça me rend malade Et tu le sais bien que ça me fait du mal Mais je te dis rien, parce que je t'aime Souffrir par toi C'est bon tout de même Tu pourrais me faire plus de mal encore Que je dirais rien Alors t'es fort Parce que t'es grand Moi toute petite Et que tes poings ont l'air d'être lourds Je dis toujours oui Et t'en profites Et je t'obéis Tu gagnes toujours Oh t'es pas méchant T'es un peu brut C'est pas de ta faute si t'es comme ça Et puis moi j'aime pas les disputes J'ai peur des coups, on se refait pas. Là, dans mes bras, t'oses plus rien dire. T'as sur les lèvres un beau sourire. Et comme un petit mot, tu t'endors. Vraiment, c'est toi le plus fort. Now this next song is another one of my very favorites. It's by the composer Gilbert Bécaud, who went on to become a very, very important figure in French popular music, and even wrote an opera called Opéra d'Aran, which premiered at the Paris Opera in the early 60s. This is his song Jeté dans la peau, the translation of that sounds quite similar to Cole Porter's I've Got You Under My Skin. And this gives me an opportunity to talk about the way that Piaf delivered her numbers. She would stand in a spotlight in a simple black dress, cut to reveal just a little triangle of white underneath her neck. Otherwise, you would have her face and her hands in the spotlight, and that was it. The expressiveness of both hands and face were central to her performances. And generally speaking, 
She was very minimal in her movements. You know, she would start with her hands always on her hips. And this would be her default position, if you will. And then she would gradually begin to move around. And if there were a line that had particular import, she would illustrate it perhaps with a tiny gesture. But when she performed this song, Jute dans la peau, it was like she was feeling herself up right and left and just feeling this man's hands all over her. I mean, it's one of the most erotic numbers that I've ever heard. And the way that she sings it, oh my goodness, it's just so orgasmic. This is a live performance from Carnegie Hall on the 13th of January, 1957. And the orchestra is conducted by Robert Chauvigny, who was her music director for most of her mid-career appearances and recordings. Normally, she would do the spoken intro in French, but in this case, for her American audience, she does it in English. Yeah. In my heart, in my head, under my skin, you're my obsession, always you, everywhere you, you, you. Tell 
Edith Piaf and the great Jean Cocteau died within 24 hours of each other. Though they had little, apparently, in common, they were very closely allied, and he provided her with support at times when she desperately needed it. He described her thus, A voice rises up from deep within, a voice that inhabits her from head to toe, unfolding like a wave of warm black velvet to submerge us, piercing through us, getting right inside us. The illusion is complete. Edith Piaf, like an invisible nightingale on her branch, herself becomes invisible. There is just her gaze, her pale hands, her waxen forehead catching the light, and the voice that swells, mounts up, and gradually replaces her. Cocteau also wrote a stage piece for Piaf to perform, which she premiered in the year 1940. It's called Le Bel Indifférent, and in it, a young woman confronts her lover with her suspicions of his infidelity, and he proceeds to read his newspaper without ever looking up, until, at the end, he gets up and, without a word, walks out, at which she throws herself out of the window. In the year 1954, Piaf performed in a revival of that piece, in which the role of the silent boyfriend was played by her then-husband, Jacques Pils. A recording was made of one of those performances, and it was released by French EMI. And we're going to hear just a very brief excerpt from that, in which the woman describes having to wait, wait, wait for his phone calls, and that the telephone has become an instrument of torture, much as it is in Cocteau's monodrama La Voix Humaine, which was later, of course, memorably set by Francis Poulenc. Je crois que ça l'arrange ma santé d'attendre, d'attendre, d'attendre toujours, d'aller de cette fenêtre à cette porte ou de cette porte à cette fenêtre. Et pas le téléphone dans cet hôtel infect. Je l'ai fait poser. Pourquoi Pour que Monsieur puisse me rassurer, me dire j'ai une affaire, je suis à tel et tel endroit. Ne t'inquiète pas, mon amour, je rentre tout de suite. Dépense inutile, c'est ta sœur qui téléphone. Le téléphone est devenu un instrument de supplice en plus. Il y avait l'ascenseur, il y avait la sonnette d'en bas, il y avait les clés dans les portes, il y avait la pendule, maintenant il y a le téléphone. Le téléphone que je regarde, que je dévore des yeux et... et le silence. Now I have a very interesting perspective to offer on Piaf. As many of you know, my beloved friend David Savran is a distinguished theater scholar and his latest book, Tell It to the World, is now in production with Oxford University Press. The book concerns itself with transatlantic Broadway-style musical productions in both South Korea and in Germany. David has a unique perspective on these two cultures, and he had the most fascinating insight into Edith Piaf's performing style that he shared with me just two days ago. Mind you, this insight is coming from a person who is by no means a lover of Edith Piaf, the way that I am. I've been desperately trying to convince him of 
her towering significance. And finally, he came up with this comparison that he said is offering him greater insight into Piaf and a greater appreciation of her artistry. There is an 18th century folk tradition in Korean culture called Panzuri, in which performers recite slash intone a narrative, usually a tragic one, using an extreme style of vocal production for which years of training are required. These works, which were passed down from performer to performer, were eventually written down in the 19th century, and yet only a handful of them are extant. There has been a great resurgence of interest in the Panzuri tradition in contemporary Korean culture. There was one work in particular that really captured the imagination of the Korean general public. That was first a short story, then a film, and finally a musical called Sopyonji, which is all about Pansuri performance. There's a tragic narrative associated with it in which the female lead comes to represent the myth of the tragic artist. Figures such as Kalas, Billie Holiday, Judy Garland, and Edith Piaf being foremost among those figures in the West. There is a similarity in vocal delivery of this music that has not much to do with vocal beauty, but has everything to do with the throbbing intensity of the voice and the narration of a story. And David was describing to me how he thinks that there's a big similarity between this Panzuri tradition and the vocal delivery of Edith Piaf. Now, there are, of course, many differences. First of all, to perform Panzuri, one has to go through years and years of training. Piaf, on the other hand, learned her craft by singing on the streets for money and her singing voice carried more than her speaking voice through the noise of the crowded Paris streets. Her delivery, as I've described, became very, very concentrated, very focused. And this is another similarity with the Panzuri tradition. There is such a sense of containment, of control, that is countered by an explosive kind of vocalism I'm going to play you just a very, very short example from the Sopionji musical. At the climax of the piece, the female lead, portrayed in this example by Lee Jaram, who is one of the most celebrated performers of Pansuri, performs the lead female role. It's a complicated, dramatic situation, but let's just say that her character, a prime example of the suffering artist is herself performing an excerpt from one of the most famous Panzuri narratives. There's a little bit of underscoring that provides a cushion of Western sonority against this traditional style of Korean performance. I just want you to hear what this vocal delivery sounds like and see if you also think that there is kind of a similarity, especially after we just heard Piaf's spoken delivery 
to hear this panzuri technique that combines both extended speech and song. <laughs> numbers that I'm going to play for you are some of Edith Piaf's most celebrated and significant story songs. The first one we're going to hear is called Les Amants d'un Jour, Lovers for a Day. The composer is Marguerite Monod, who wrote some of Piaf's most iconic songs, including Hymne à l'amour that we heard at the beginning of this episode. She also wrote the music for several other songs still to come. The lyrics for this song are by Claude Delecluse and Michel Saint-Lys, two women. So we have a triumvirate of women that produced this song, powerfully performed by Piaf. The story of Les Amants d'un Jour is told by a barmaid who works in a hotel. I wipe the glasses at the back of the café. I have far too much to do every day to be able to dream. And in this incredibly boring setting, I still can see them arriving in my mind's eye. These two little cherubs holding hands with the sun in their eyes, they asked in a quiet voice for a little room where they could be together in the heart of the city. And when I closed the door on them, there was so much sun in their eyes that it hurt me. That's where we found them the next day united in death, lying together hand in hand on the bed. We laid them to rest peacefully in a grave in the heart of the city, but they have planted a piece of that sun in their eyes, deep in my heart, so deep that it hurts me. And still I wipe the glasses, and still I have no time to dream. And in this horribly banal setting, there's always a sign outside saying, Room for Rent. The sound of broken glass at the end of this song is such a powerful symbol. This is a live performance from the Olympia Music Hall in Paris, a recording from May 1956. De Saint-Lys et de l'Écluse, sur une musique de Marguerite Monod, Les Amants d'un jour. J'ai bien trop à faire pour pouvoir rêver Et dans ce décor banal à pleurer 
Il me semble encore les voir arriver Ils sont arrivés Se tenant par la main L'air émerveillé De deux chérubins Portant le soleil Ils ont demandé D'une voix tranquille Un toit pour s'aimer Au cœur de la ville Et je me rappelle Qu'ils ont regardé d'un air attendri la chambre d'hôtel au papier jauni. Et quand j'ai fermé la porte sur eux, il y avait tant de soleil au fond de leurs yeux que ça m'a fait mal. Que ça m'a fait mal Moi j'ai suis les verres au fond du café J'ai bien trop à faire pour pouvoir rêver Et dans ce décor banal à pleurer C'est corps contre corps qu'on les a trouvés Trouver, se tenant par la main, les yeux refermés vers d'autres matins, portant le soleil, on les a couchés, unis et tranquilles dans un lit creusé au cœur de la ville. Et je me rappelle avoir refermé. Dans le petit jour, la chambre d'hôtel des amants d'un jour, mais ils m'ont planté tout au fond du cœur un bout de leur soleil et tant de douleur que ça me fait mal, que ça me fait mal. Moi j'essuie les verres au fond du café J'ai bien trop à faire pour pouvoir rêver Et dans ce décor banal à pleurer Il y a toujours dehors La chambre à louer The next song I want to play for you, La Foule, The Crowd, began life as a song called Que Nadia Sepe Mi Souffrir, a Peruvian waltz, with music by Angel, Angel Cabral, and lyrics by Enrique Diseo. The song was originally written in 1936, and in 1949, it became a hit for the Argentine tango singer Alberto Castillo. The song expresses the desire discover 
how deeply wounded the singer is by the lover who has deserted him. Here's a little clip of the version by Alberto Castillo. No te asombres si te digo lo que fuiste Un ingrata con mi pobre corazón Ante el brillo de tus lindos ojos negros Alumbraron el camino de otro amor Y pensar que te adoraba tiernamente Y a tu lado como nunca me sentí Y por esas cosas raras de la vida Sin el beso de tu boca yo me vi Amor de mis amores, reina mía, que me hiciste Que no puedo consolarme sin poderte contemplar Ya que pagaste mal a mi cariño tan sincero Lo que conseguirás es que no te nombre nunca más Amor de mis amores, reina mía, que me hiciste Que no puedo consolarme sin poderte contemplar Ya que pagaste mal a mi cariño tan sincero Lo que conseguirás es que no te nombre nunca más when Piaf performed in 1953 in Buenos Aires, she heard Alberto Castillo's recording and she decided that she wanted to do the song herself. So she asked the lyricist Michel Rivgauche to make a version of the song for her in French. And it became one of her most powerful songs. The singer describes a celebration in the city in which she is pulled into a crowd of delirious people who thrust her into the arms of a man with whom she dances and with whom she falls suddenly and deeply in love. But in the second verse, the same crowd that thrusts them together just as violently and arbitrarily pulls them apart. And she watches helplessly as the crowd carries him away. And I clench my fists, cursing the crowd that steals from me the man that it gave to me and whom I have never been able to find again. This performance is one of the final ones that Edith Piaf gave. It was a live performance in the Netherlands, in Nijmegen, on the 14th of December 1962, and it was televised, and I believe it is the only complete concert film we have of Edith Piaf. At this point in her life, she was aged far beyond her years, and her voice was significantly diminished from what it had been 25 years before. And yet still, the power of her interpretation is without parallel. De Michel Rivgauche, La Foule.
Emporté par la foule qui nous traîne, nous entraîne à écraser l'un contre l'autre. Nous ne formons qu'un seul corps. Et le feu sans effort nous pousse en l'un et l'autre. Et nous laisse tous deux épanouis, enivrés et heureux. Et traînés par la foule qui s'élance et qui danse une folle farandole, nos deux mains restent soudées. Et parfois soulever nos deux corps, enlacés s'envolent. Et retombent tous deux épanouis, enivrés et heureux. La joie que l'a poussée par son sourire Notre enfer s'est rejaillit au fond de moi Mais soudain je pousse un cri parmi les rires Quand la foule vient l'arracher d'entre mes bras Emporté par la foule qui nous traîne Nous entraîne, nous éloigne l'un de l'autre Je lutte et je me débat mais le son de ma voix s'étouffe dans le rire des autres Et je crie de douleur, de fureur et de rage et je pleure Et traîné par la foule qui s'élance et qui danse une folle parandole Je suis emporté au loin Et je crispe mes poumons maudissant la foule qui me vole L'homme qu'elle m'avait donné que je n'ai jamais retrouvé Another song of Marguerite Monod's, this is Milor, set to a text by Georges Moustaki, who at the time had been romantically involved with Piaf. She had this habit of taking on handsome, young, musically talented men and helping them advance in their careers, and then there would be a sudden rift and they would no longer be together. And the same thing happened with Moustaki. And in fact, she was so angry at him that she almost didn't perform this song. But it took the urging of several important people in her life for her to see that this was indeed a very, very important song that she simply had to interpret. She tells the story of it herself in English, for this performance is from an appearance on American television in the year 1959. Let me just say that what I love so much about this song is that it fully acknowledges and embraces the despair of being alive in this world. And yet, in the end, the answer is to love and to dance. Oh, come on, Milo. Sit down at my table. It's cold outside. Look at me, Milo. You never saw me. But what happens, Milo? 
you cry. I'd never have believed that. Oh, come on, my love. Smile at me. Sing with me. Dance with me. Bravo, my love. Oh, call me love.
last romantic involvement of Edith Piaf was a young Greek singer whom she renamed Theo Sarapou, and Sarapou is Greek for I love you. He was married to her at the time of her death, and one of her last hits was indeed a song that Michel Emer wrote for the two of them to perform together, A quoi ça sert l'amour? Remember that nearly 25 years before, he had written L'accordioniste for her and continued to contribute songs to her repertoire in all those intervening years. Théo poses questions about what's all this business with love? What is the point? And Edith responds with age and wisdom and experience on her side. In the final verse, Théo says, Well, this is all very pretty, but when it's over, there's nothing left but immense sorrow. And she says, Everything that now seems to break your heart will be for you tomorrow a memory that brings you joy. And he says, So if I understand, without love in your life, without joy, without sorrow, you've lived for nothing. And she says, Yes, look at me. Every time I believe in it, and I will always believe in it, that's what love is for. You are the last, and you are also the first. Before you, there was nothing, and with you, all is well. You're the one that I'll love forever, and that is what love is for. This is from a very late performance at the Alhambra in Paris in the year 1963, the very year that Piaf died. De Michel et Mère, que nous avons créé à cinq colonnes à la une. À quoi ça sert l'amour? Théo! Eh, hey, hey, non, 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 non. À quoi ça sert l'amour? On raconte toujours des histoires insensées. Quoi ça sert d'aimer L'amour ne s'explique pas C'est une chose comme ça Qui vient, on ne sait d'où Et vous prend tout à coup Moi j'ai entendu dire Que l'amour fait souffrir Que l'amour fait pleurer À quoi ça sert d'aimer L'amour ça sert à quoi À vous donner de la joie Avec des larmes aux yeux C'est triste et merveilleux Pourtant on dit souvent L'amour c'est décevant Qu'il y en a un sur deux Qui n'est jamais heureux Même quand on l'a perdu L'amour qu'on a connu Vous laisse un goût de miel L'amour c'est éternel Tout ça c'est très joli Mais quand tout est fini Qu'il ne vous reste rien Qu'un immense chagrin Tout ce qui maintenant Te semble déchirant Demain sera pour toi Un souvenir de joie En somme si j'ai compris Sans amour dans la vie Sans ses joies, ses chagrins On a vécu pour rien Mais oui regarde-moi À chaque fois j'y crois Et j'y croirai toujours Ça sert à ça l'amour. 
C'est toi que je voulais, c'est toi qu'il me fallait, toi que j'aimerais toujours, ça sert à ça. episode with a song again by Marguerite Monod with words by René Rousseau who also wrote lyrics to many of Piaf's most significant songs. This is the song Heureuse and it's a live performance again from Carnegie Hall in January 1957. This is a song that I have sung many many times. It's so dear to my heart. It's a call for happiness an insistence that happiness will be mine in spite of everything. I'm happy to have finally found a piece of heaven of love and joy in your arms, in your eyes. Happy as long as I am next to you. Dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kuntlach.